Victorian Short Stories Stories of Courtship by Hubert Crackenthorpe and others. The Parson's Daughter of Oxney Colne by Anthony Trollope. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Lynn Thompson. The Parson's Daughter of Oxney Colne. Part One. The prettiest scenery in all England, and if I am contradicted in that assertion, I will say in all Europe, is in Devonshire, on the southern and southeastern skirts of Dartmoor, where the rivers Dart and Avon and Tame form themselves, and where the broken moor is half cultivated, and the wild-looking uplands fields are half moor in making this assertion i am often met with much doubt but it is by persons who do not really know the locality men and women talk to me on the matter who have travelled down the line of railway from exeter to plymouth who have spent a fortnight at torquay and perhaps made an excursion from tavistock to the convict prison on dartmoor but who knows the glories of chagford who has walked through the parish of manerton who is conversant with lustly cleves and withercombe in the moor who has explored holne chase gentle reader believe me that you will be rash in contradicting me unless you have done these things there or thereabouts i will not say by the waters of which little river it is washed is the parish of oxney colne and for those who would wish to see all the beauties of this lovely country a sojourn in oxney colne would be most desirable seeing that the sojourner would then be brought nearer to all that he would delight to visit than at any other spot in the country but there is an objection to any such arrangement there are only two decent houses in the whole parish and these are or were when i knew the locality small and fully occupied by their possessors the larger and better is the parsonage in which lived the parson and his daughter and the smaller is the freehold residence of a certain miss le smerger who owned a farm of a hundred acres which was rented by one farmer cloisy and who also possessed some thirty acres round her own house which she managed herself regarding herself to be quite as great in cream as mr cloisy and altogether superior to him in the article of cider but you has to pay no rent miss farmer cloisy would say and when miss le smerger expressed this opinion of her art in a matter too defiant you pays no rent or you couldn't do it miss le smerger was an old maid with a pedigree and blood of her own a hundred and thirty acres of fee simple land on the borders of dartmoor fifty years of age a constitution of iron and an opinion of her own on every subject under the sun and now for the parson and his daughter the parson's name was woolsworthy or woolworthy as it was pronounced by all those who lived around him the reverend saul woolworthy and his daughter was patience woolworthy or miss patty as she was known to the devonshire world of those parts that name of patience had not been well chosen for her for she was a hot-tempered damsel warm in her convictions and inclined to express them freely 
she had but two closely intimate friends in the world and by both of them this freedom of expression had been fully permitted to her since she was a child miss lesmerger and her father were well accustomed to her ways and on the whole well satisfied with them the former was equally free and equally warm-tempered as herself and as mr woolsey was allowed by his daughter to be quite paramount on his own subject for he had a subject he did not object to his daughter being paramount on all others a pretty girl was patience woolsey at the time of which i am writing and one who possessed much that was worthy of remark and admiration had she lived where beauty meets with admiration or where force of character is remarked but at oxney colne on the borders of dartmoor there were few to appreciate her and it seemed as though she herself had but little idea of carrying her talent further afield so that it might not remain for ever wrapped in a blanket she was a pretty girl tall and slender with dark eyes and black hair her eyes were perhaps too round for regular beauty and her hair was perhaps too crisp her mouth was large and expressive her nose was finely formed though a critic in female form might have declared it to be somewhat broad but her countenance altogether was very attractive if only it might be seen with that resolution for dominion which occasionally marred it though sometimes it even added to her attractions it must be confessed on behalf of patience woolsey that the circumstances of her life had peremptorily called upon her to exercise dominion she had lost her mother when she was sixteen and had had neither brother nor sister she had no neighbours near her fit either from education or rank to interfere in the conduct of her life excepting always miss lesmerger miss lesmerger would have done anything for her including the whole management of her morals and of the parsonage household had patience been content with such an arrangement but much as patience had ever loved miss lesmerger she was not content with this and therefore she had been called on to put forth a strong hand of her own she had put forth this strong hand early and hence had come the character which i am attempting to describe but i must say on behalf of this girl that it was not only over others that she thus exercised dominion in acquiring that power she had also acquired the much greater power of exercising rule over herself but why should her father have been ignored in these family arrangements perhaps it may almost suffice to say that of all living men her father was the man best conversant with the antiquities of the county in which he lived he was the jonathan oldbuck of devonshire and especially of dartmoor but without that decision of character which enabled oldbuck to keep his women-folk in some kind of subjection and probably enabled him also to see that his weekly bill did not pass their proper limits our mr oldbuck of oxney colne was sadly deficient in these respects as a parish pastor with but a small cure he did his duty with sufficient energy to keep him at any rate from reproach he was kind and charitable to the poor punctual in his services forbearing with the farmers around him mild with his brother clergyman and indifferent to aught that bishop or archdeacon might think or say of him i do not name this latter attribute as a virtue but as a fact 
but all these points were as nothing in the known character of mr woolathy of oxney colne he was the antiquarian of dartmoor that was his line of life it was in that capacity that he was known to the devonshire world it was as such that he journeyed about with his humble carpet-bag staying away from his parsonage a night or two at a time it was in that character that he received now and again stray visitors in the single spare bedroom not friends asked to see him and his girl because of their friendship but men who knew something as to this buried stone or that old landmark in all these things his daughter let him have his own way assisting and encouraging him that was his line of life and therefore she respected it but in all other matters she chose to be paramount at the parsonage mr woolathy was a little man who always wore except on sundays grey clothes clothes of so light a grey that they would hardly have been regarded as clerical in a district less remote he had now reached a goodly age being full seventy years old but still he was wiry and active and showed but few symptoms of decay his head was bald and the few remaining locks that surrounded it were nearly white but there was a look of energy about his mouth and a humour in his light grey eye which forbade those who knew him to regard him altogether as an old man as it was he could walk from oxney colne to pricetown fifteen long devonshire miles across the moor and he who could do that could hardly be regarded as too old for work but our present story will have more to do with his daughter than with him a pretty girl i have said was patience woolathy and one too in many ways remarkable she had taken her outlook into life weighing the things which she had and those which she had not in a manner very unusual and as a rule not always desirable for a young lady the things which she had not were very many she had not society she had not a fortune she had not any assurance of future means of livelihood she had not high hope of procuring for herself a position in life by marriage she had not that excitement and pleasure in life which she read of in such books as found their way down to oxney colne parsonage it would be easy to add to the list of the things which she had not and this list against herself she made out with the utmost vigour the things which she had or those rather which she assured herself of having were much more easily counted she had the birth and education of a lady the strength of a healthy woman and a will of her own such was the list as she made it out for herself and i protest that i assert no more than the truth in saying that she never added to it either beauty wit or talent i began these descriptions by saying that oxney colne would of all places be the best spot from which a tourist could visit those parts of devonshire but for the fact that he could obtain there none of the accommodation which tourists require a brother antiquarian might perhaps in those days have done so seeing that there was as i have said a spare bedroom at the parsonage any intimate friend of miss le smerger's might be as fortunate for she was also so provided at oxney colne by which name her house was known but miss le smerger was not given to extensive hospitality and it was only to those who were bound to her either by ties of blood 
or of very old friendship that she delighted to open her doors as her old friends were very few in number as those few lived at a distance and as her nearest relations were higher in the world than she was and were said by herself to look down upon her the visits made to oxney colne were few and far between but now at the period of which i am writing such a visit was about to be made miss le smyrger had a younger sister who had inherited a property in the parish of oxney colne equal to that of the lady who lived there but this younger sister had inherited beauty also and she therefore in early life had found sundry lovers one of whom became her husband she had married a man even then well-to-do in the world but now rich and almost mighty a member of parliament a lord of this and that board a man who had a house in eaton square and a park in the north of england and in this way her course of life had been very much divided from that of our miss le smyrger but the lord of the government board had been blessed with various children and perhaps it was now thought expedient to look after aunt penelope's devonshire acres aunt penelope was empowered to leave them to whom she pleased and though it was thought in eaton square that she must as a matter of course leave them to one of the family nevertheless a little cousinly intercourse might make the thing more certain i will not say that this was the sole cause for such a visit but in these days a visit was to be made by captain broughton to his aunt now captain john broughton was the second son of alfonso broughton of clapham park and eaton square member of parliament and lord of the aforesaid government board and what do you mean to do with him patience woolworthy asked of miss le smyrger when that lady walked over from the colne to say that her nephew john was to arrive on the following morning do with him why i shall bring him over here to talk to your father he'll be too fashionable for that and papa won't trouble his head about him if he finds that he doesn't care for dartmoor then he may fall in love with you my dear well yes there's that resource at any rate and for your sake i dare say i should be more civil to him than papa but he'll soon get tired of making love to me and what you'll do then i cannot imagine that miss woolworthy felt no interest in the coming of the captain i will not pretend to say the advent of any stranger with whom she would be called on to associate must be a matter of interest to her in that secluded place and she was not so absolutely unlike other young ladies that the arrival of an unmarried young man would be the same to her as the advent of some patriarchal paterfamilias in taking that outlook into life of which i have spoken she had never said to herself that she despised those things from which other girls received the excitement the joys and the disappointment of their lives she had simply given herself to understand that very little of such things would come in her way and that it behoved her to live to live happily if such might be possible without experiencing the need of them she had heard when there was no thought of any such visit to oxney colne that john broughton was a handsome clever man one who thought much of himself and was thought much of by others that there had been some talk of his marrying a great heiress which marriage however had not taken place through unwillingness on his part and that he was on the whole a man of more mark in the world than the ordinary captains of ordinary regiments 
Captain Broughton came to Oxney Colne, stayed there a fortnight, the intended period for his projected visit having been fixed at three or four days, and then went his way. He went his way back to his London haunts, the time of the year then being the close of the Easter holidays. But as he did so, he told his aunt that he should assuredly return to her in the autumn. "'And assuredly I shall be happy to see you, John, if you come with a certain purpose. If you have no such purpose, you had better remain away.' "'I shall assuredly come,' the captain had replied, and then he had gone on his journey. The summer passed rapidly by, and very little was said between Miss Lesmerger and Miss Willoughby about Captain Broughton. In many respects—nay, I may say, as to all ordinary matters, no two women could well be more intimate with each other than they are. And more than that, they had the courage each to talk to the other with absolute truth as to things concerning themselves—a courage in which dear friends often fail but nevertheless very little was said between them about captain john broughton all that was said may be here repeated john says that he shall return here in august miss lesmerger said as patience was sitting with her in the parlour at oxney colne on the morning after that gentleman's departure he told me so himself said patience and as she spoke her round dark eyes assumed a look of more than ordinary self-will if miss lesmerger had intended to carry the conversation any further she changed her mind as she looked at her companion then as i said the summer ran by and towards the close of the warm dry days of july miss lesmerger sitting in the same chair in the same room again took up the conversation i got a letter from john this morning he says that he shall be here on the third does he he is very punctual to the time he named "'Yes, I fancy that he is a punctual man,' said Patience. "'I hope that you will be glad to see him,' said Miss Lesmerger. "'Very glad to see him,' said Patience, with a bold, clear voice. And then the conversation was again dropped, and nothing further was said till after Captain Broughton's second arrival in the parish. Four months had then passed since his departure, and during that time Miss Woolworthy had performed all her usual duties— in the accustomed course no one could discover that she had been less careful in her household matters than had been her wont less willing to go among her poor neighbours or less assiduous in her attentions to her father but not the less was there a feeling in the minds of those around her that some great change had come upon her she would sit during the long summer evenings on a certain spot outside the parsonage orchard at the top of a small sloping field in which their solitary cow was always pastured with a book on her knees before her but rarely reading there she would sit with the beautiful view down to the winding river below her watching the setting sun and thinking 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 of something of which she had never spoken often would miss lesmerger come upon her there and sometimes would pass her even without a word but never never once did she dare to ask of the matter of her thoughts but she knew the matter well enough no confession was necessary to inform her that patience woolworthy was in love with john broughton 
ay in love to the full and entire loss of her whole heart on one evening she was so sitting till the july sun had fallen and hidden himself for the night when her father came upon her as he returned from one of his rambles on the moor patty he said you are always sitting there now is it not late will you not be cold no papa she said i shall not be cold but won't you come into the house i miss you when you come in so late and there's no time to say a word before we go to bed she got up and followed him into the parsonage and when they were in the sitting-room together and the door was closed she came up to him and kissed him papa she said would it make you very unhappy if i were to leave you leave me he said startled by the serious and almost solemn tone of her voice do you mean for always if i were to marry papa oh marry no that would not make me unhappy it would make me very happy patty to see you married to a man you would love very very happy though my days would be desolate without you that is papa what would you do if i went from you what would it matter patty i should be free at any rate from a load which often presses heavy on me now what will you do when i shall leave you a few more years and all will be over with me but who is it love has anybody said anything to you it was only an idea papa i don't often think of such a thing but i did think of it then and so the subject was allowed to pass by this had happened before the day of the second arrival had been absolutely fixed and made known to miss woolerthy and then that second arrival took place the reader may have understood from the words with which miss lesmerger authorized her nephew to make his second visit to oxney colne that miss woolerthy's passion was not altogether unauthorized captain broughton had been told that he was not to come unless he came with a certain purpose and having been so told he still persisted in coming there can be no doubt but that he well understood the purport to which his aunt alluded i shall assuredly come he had said and true to his word he was now there patience knew exactly the hour at which he must arrive at the station at newton abbot and the time also which it would take to travel over those twelve uphill miles from the station to oxney it need hardly be said that she paid no visit to miss lesmerger's house on that afternoon but she might have known something of captain broughton's approach without going thither his road to the colne passed by the parsonage gate and had patience sat even at her bedroom window she must have seen him but on such an evening she would not sit at her bedroom window she would do nothing which would force her to accuse herself of a restless longing for her lover's coming it was for him to seek her if he chose to do so he knew the way to the parsonage miss lesmerger good dear honest hearty miss lesmerger was in a fever of anxiety on behalf of her friend it was not that she wished her nephew to marry patience or rather that she had entertained any such wish when he first came among them she was not given to match-making and moreover thought or had thought within herself that they of oxney colne could do very well without any admixture from eaton square her plan of life had been that 
when old mr woolavy was taken away from dartmoor patience should live with her and that when she also shuffled off her coil then patience woolavy should be the maiden mistress of oxney colne of oxney colne and of mr cloyce's farm to the utter detriment of all the broughtons such had been her plan before nephew john had come among them a plan not to be spoken of till the coming of that dark day which should make patience an orphan but now her nephew had been there and all was to be altered miss lesmerger's plan would have provided a companion for her old age but that had not been her chief object she had thought more of patience than of herself and now it seemed that a prospect of a higher happiness was opening for her friend john she said as soon as the first greetings were over do you remember the last words that i said to you before you went away now for myself i much admire miss lesmerger's heartiness but i do not think much of her discretion it would have been better perhaps had she allowed things to take their course i can't say that i do said the captain at the same time the captain did remember very well what those last words had been i am so glad to see you so delighted to see you if 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 and then she paused for with all her courage she hardly dared to ask her nephew whether he had come there with the express purport of asking miss woolathy to marry him to tell the truth for there is no room for mystery within the limits of this short story to tell i say at a word the plain and simple truth captain broughton had already asked the question on the day before he left oxney colne he had in set terms proposed to the parson's daughter and indeed the words the hot and frequent words which previously to that had fallen like sweetest honey into the ears of patience woolathy had made it imperative on him to do so when a man in such a place as that has talked to a girl of love day after day must he not talk of it to some definite purpose on the day in which he leaves her or if he does not must he not submit to be regarded as false selfish and almost fraudulent captain broughton however had asked the question honestly and truly he had done so honestly and truly but in words or perhaps simply with a tone that had hardly sufficed to satisfy the proud spirit of the girl he loved she by that time had confessed to herself that she loved him with all her heart but she had made no such confession to him to him she had spoken no word granted no favour that any lover might rightfully regard as a token of love returned she had listened to him as he spoke and bade him keep such sayings for the drawing-rooms of his fashionable friends then he had spoken out and had asked her for that hand not perhaps as a suitor tremulous with hope but as a rich man who knows that he can command that which he desires to purchase you should think more of this she had said to him at last if you would really have me for your wife it will not be much to you to return here again when time for thinking of it shall have passed by with these words she had dismissed him and now he had again come back to oxney colne 
but still she would not place herself at the window to look for him nor dress herself in other than her simple morning country dress nor omit one item of her daily work if he wished to take her at all he should wish to take her as she really was in her plain country life but he should take her also with full observance of all those privileges which maidens are allowed to claim from their lovers he should curtail no ceremonious observance because she was the daughter of a poor country parson who would come to him without a shilling whereas he stood high in the world's books he had asked her to give him all that she had and that all she was ready to give without stint but the gift must be valued before it could be given or received he also was to give her as much and she would accept it as being beyond all price but she would not allow that that which was offered to her was in any degree the more precious because of his outward worldly standing end of the parson's daughter of oxney colne by anthony trollope part one